Welcome back to WBAI and to Driving Forces. I'm your host, Jeff Simmons. And each week at this time, I am joined by the lovely and inspiring Celeste Katz-Marston to discuss the big issues in city, state, and national politics. Celeste, how are you doing today? Great to be here with you, as always, Jeff. I hope you're doing mighty fine. You know, a lot is going on in the news right now. It's just been an incredibly busy day with what's going on in Washington, D.C., with what's going on in Ukraine, and, of course, developments here in New York City and New York State as well. Just so much news to absorb. It just can feel so smothering every day, Celeste. Yeah, you know, it really can, Jeff. And I feel like I've been trying to keep up with it. Everybody tries to keep up with it. But, you know, it's it, it can be very overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, here in the city, of course, Mayor Eric Adams made some news today. Uh, you know, people were anxiously awaiting what his decision would be in this next phase of the pandemic. I'm curious what your reaction is to that. Yeah, you know, it's it's really hard to say, Jeff. I feel like, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Help me out here. I'm having a bit of a tech problem right now. So, oh, okay, um, okay. Well, what I'll I'll let our listeners know is we just deal with whatever the tech problem is. I, I'm hearing her very well. I hope you are too. But okay, for your, uh, I am not. I will. I admit this. I am not the biggest sports fan, but. Uh, I do follow what is going on in the sports world. And today, a big announcement. The mayor, Eric Adams, announced a major change to the city's vaccine mandate and eliminated what was considered a double standard. He signed an executive order expanding the performer exemption to the city's private employer vaccine mandates, putting New York City-based performers on a level playing field with those that are based outside the city. Now, of course, this comes as the NBA and the NHL uh, playoff races are heating up. And as, of course, Major League Baseball is nearing opening day. It means the Brooklyn Nets star Kyrie Irving will be allowed to play home games and unvaccinated baseball players can take the field when their season begins. Yeah, uh, you know, that's that's really that's really interesting. I mean, I got to be honest with you. The thing that I am uh, really watching, of course, is the Supreme Court nomination hearings. And that has just been, uh, frankly, it's been astounding. I have not seen, uh, you know, well, I was going to say, I haven't seen that level of acrimony, but to be honest, I was in Washington actually for the Kavanaugh hearings, and there was definitely some acrimony both in the chamber, in the hearing room, uh, and outside where I was actually covering some of the protests. Uh, but I think that some of the intensity of the questioning of what we've seen and, and how far afield I think it has gotten to sort of the purpose of the nomination hearings has been really intense, particularly if you look at some of the questioning from people like Senator Ted Cruz, Senator Lindsey Graham, uh, you know, uh, Cotton Hall, you know, lots of these people just really sort of pointed and, and really sort of uh, argumentative. You can certainly have a philosophical uh, difference of opinion with a nominee and and we would expect that. And that's what these hearings are for, to sort of, you know, get some of that out there. But um, I, I do think that when it comes to, you know, the tenor of the conversation, it, it's sometimes gotten really, really over the top. Oh, completely. You know, and I've unfortunately not had the chance to follow as much today as I had hoped to. And in uh, looking at some of the recaps of yesterday, it was just incredible uh, to it was incredible to just see some of the. Uh, the aggressive 
you know, lines of questioning, the interruptions and re repeated interruptions and dismissing her attempts to answer questions. I was also, I'm so glad you mentioned that about the Kavanaugh hearings because, you know, I was even just reflecting on that moment, that exchange with uh, Amy Klobuchar at one point in Kavanaugh. And that, you know, that, that just bothers me right now when I think about how she, you know, how I forget how it actually went, but just how she basically put him in his place. It was so embarrassing for him when he uh, made a comment to her that was so inappropriate. But one thing I do want to bring up was yesterday after that, the day of, of, of this hearing, uh, Pat, uh, Patrick Leahy of Vermont, senator, a Democratic senator, had said, you know, basically expressed what would have been would be embarrassment. He said to see what this highly qualified, remarkable woman had to face is a shame on those who try to declare themselves as senators. It's beneath this body. It's beneath the U.S. Supreme Court. It is beneath our great country. It was just incredible. Yeah, some some of this stuff has gotten hyper intense. And and I think it's it, it's hard to say how personal it might be because uh you know, there are legitimate questions to ask. These many of the people here are lawyers uh who do have the legal background to ask very uh sort of granular questions about the nominee and about the nomination. And again, you know, that's fine. I don't think it's wrong to have a Supreme Court nominee, a lifetime appointment on the highest court in the land, uh, be, you know, very, very uh, specific in detail. And um, if not hostile, I, I think there is sort of an adversarial process there. And and, and that's fine. But uh, when it when it sort of starts to devolve into shouting and interruptions, um, you know, you expect a certain level of intensity in these hearings, again, in, in these kinds of nomination hearings, but you also expect a certain sense of decorum. And I just feel like sometimes that has been lacking. And the reason I object to that is I don't think it serves the people. I don't think that they are learning a lot from their uh, from their nominee or seeing a, a lot of what they should be seeing from their leaders when you have that level of, of sort of rancor in the room, Jeff. Agreed. And I know we've got our first guest on the line right now. Um, so we're just going to go to the topic of the day, which is what has been going on overseas, what has been going on in Ukraine. Uh, in just a few moments, we're going to introduce our guest for today, a New York City Council member who was born in Ukraine, uh, who definitely has some very strong opinions about what has been happening. But just some very brief updates, if you can believe it. This is four weeks, four weeks since this war commenced. And it I mean, there are signs that fatigue is setting in. We're looking at coverage this week, and it's being reported that TV news ratings have started to drop now after increasing early on during the war. I mean, but the war is just far from over. I just want to give you a few uh, developments from today that are incredibly important to know about. So Joe Biden, President Biden, spoke earlier today uh, and had uh, talked about how the United States will accept up to a hundred thousand Ukrainian refugees in the country and will also donate a billion dollars to help European countries deal with the surge of migrants that have been fl uh, fleeing Russia's invasion. Uh, and also more than three million Ukrainians have poured into Poland and other countries as, as, uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin of Russia has bombarded civilian cities uh, across Ukraine. Uh, so with that, let's get to our first guest, uh, New York City Council member, uh, Ina Vernikov is Jew a Jewish Ukrainian American who represents Brooklyn's 48th district, which encompasses Sheepshead Bay, Homecrest, Luna Park, Brightwater Towers, Midwood, and Trump Village. Raised in Brooklyn, 
She is a small business owner and an attorney. She grew up as one of three children in a family of Ukrainian immigrants and being taught the value of integrity and hard work by her mother, a bookkeeper, and her father, a businessman. During the pandemic, she's volunteered her time at the local um, Masbia Soup Kitchen and donated meals to law enforcement officers in the NYPD's 61st Precinct in Brooklyn. She also assisted essential workers at Staten Island University Hospital. She's been involved in politics for some time, and we're going to let her talk a little about that because it's her first time with us, and I'd like our listeners to get to know her. But She's in her third month now since taking office, and she spent countless hours on the phone with advocates, lawmakers, community organizers in Ukraine to discuss ways they can help support humanitarian efforts. So with that, I'd like to introduce Ina Vernikov. Welcome to Driving Forces. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. I briefly read your bio because I really wanted our listeners to get to know you first before we get into what is going on overseas. So can you just tell us a little more about your involvement in New York City and what led you to pursue public office? Uh, sure. So first of all, I want to say that I was born in the former Soviet Union, which is now the Ukraine, in the area that's now Ukraine. It's western Ukraine. I'm from a town called Chernovitz. Um, and I came to the United States with my family when I was 12 years old. Um, I never really wanted to pursue politics. I always wanted to be an attorney. And so I uh, went to law school and opened my own law practice. I practiced immigration and divorce law for about eight years. Um, and in the last couple of years, I just really didn't like what I saw with, you know, what's going on in our city, in our country. Um, I saw the movement to defund our police when crime was at, at an all-time high. Um, I saw a movement towards communism and socialism in our country. Um, and I decided to uh, take part in politics to, you know, affect change um, and make a difference. Councilwoman, thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate you taking the time. And, uh, you know, as you've been watching this conflict, wh what's been going through your mind? And, and have you been in touch, uh, if you still have family there, you know, have you been in touch with family or friends? What are they telling you uh, about what they're experiencing right now? Yeah, so it is extremely, extremely devastating for myself and for my family to watch what's going on in our home country where we were born um, I think that what we're witnessing is not a war. I think this is a genocide. Uh, President Putin is targeting civilians. He's targeting children, women. Um, you know, they know where the children are located, and that's exactly what their target is. And that's not a war. Uh, that's a genocide. Um, you know, so many people senselessly murdered by this tyrant. Um, and for me to watch from here, um, it just makes us so angry and a little bit uh, helpless. But at the same time, we're doing everything that we can from here. Myself as a local politician, um, you know, just trying to affect change in the local level. We have uh, set up a drop-off center for humanitarian aid. We've uh, packaged 300 boxes of aid and sent it over to Poland. Um, in conjunction with the Chabad, it's a you know a Jewish synagogue um, in the in the district. We have uh, worked with Hatzalah. It's the Jewish ambulance to Hatzalah Air. They have um, airplanes and helicopters. We sent aid with them 
they help with transporting patients to uh, safe locations from Ukraine. Um, and we've been working with the mayor's office to, for the federal government to designate uh, Ukrainians as refugees. So right now, um, they have Ukrainians who are in the country have uh, protection with TPS, temporary protection status, where they're allowed to stay here for 18 months without uh, the fear of being deported. But we've also been working to push the federal government to um, designate the Ukrainians who are in the Ukraine or who fled uh, Ukraine into other countries, you know, to designate them as refugees so they can have uh, a form of relief. And uh, as you know, today, uh, there was an announcement that the United States will accept 100,000 Ukrainians as refugees. Now, we know that there are about three and a half million million of Ukrainians who uh, have fled. So, um, you know, that number is really, really large, and we need to do everything we can to help everyone. If you're just joining us here on WBAI New York, we are speaking with... Ina Vernikov, she is a member of the New York City Council who was born in Ukraine, is, uh, you know, talking today about the crisis there, about the war. And uh, council member, I'm very interested to hear uh, what you have to say about this disinformation campaign that Russian state-sponsored media uh, has been uh, propagating uh, about what's really going on and even the reasons for the conflict itself. If you, I was reading... Uh, something that um, a guy I know would work with for a long time said. And basically he said, if you watch Russian media versus uh, Western media, Ukrainian media, whatever, it's basically the difference between watching a, a sports game and watching a cooking show. Like there's just no resemblance. I'm wondering, you know, what are you hearing about that? And are you talking to people who are consuming state sponsored propaganda and think that this is a, a just war waged by the Russians? So first of all, I want to say that this is nothing really new. Um, you know, Putin and Russia, they're, they're not really a democracy. They're, they never have been. Uh, there is no real free speech in Russia. I mean, we know that Putin has jailed his opponents. Um, you know, they don't allow uh, free speech. And so... All their media is pretty much state-sponsored, and unfortunately, we've actually had some Russian-sponsored media here in the United States, and we actually, members of the city council, wrote a letter to Optimum to make sure that those channels are no longer airing uh, here, and they did uh, cancel some of those channels because it is extremely dangerous. And um, You're talking about RT or RT America or... Yes. Yeah, some of those uh, some of those Russian channels. Uh, so they're no longer airing at uh, this time. But I've been speaking to people on the ground in in my town of Chernovitz, and people who are very involved and very knowledgeable about the conflict have been following it for a long time and really living in it. And they've been describing what others are saying because of what they're listening to and what they're reading. Um, you know, from Russian-sponsored uh, media. And it's extremely dangerous because a lot of these Russians believe that there is a real reason to go to this war. And a lot of them don't even understand what they're doing. These, uh, these, uh, their military is a bunch of young teenagers who are going to fight, and they don't even know, some of them don't even know what they're doing there. Like, they get to their destination, and they're like, what, what are we here for? 
um, they don't really understand. And then they're faced with this uh, task to kill civilians. Um, and so it's, it's even harder. It's even hard on the Russians. And so many of the Russian people do not want this war. Um, but at the same time, a lot of them are brainwashed with, with the state-sponsored media, with the things they're hearing from their TV. And they just don't know any better. They don't have access to Internet right now. They don't have access to another side of the story. And so it, it's a really, really big problem. You're listening to Driving Forces on WBAI 99.5 FM New York. I'm your host, Jeff Simmons, joined by my co-host, Celeste Katz-Marston. We are talking with New York City Council Member Ina Vernikov concerning the conflict in Ukraine. Uh, you know, one thing I just wanted to ask you about, I saw this in the newspaper earlier this week. You had a, a, a meeting with President Trump. What did he, what did you two uh, talk about with the conflict? What were, what were his impressions of the conflict that he relayed to you? Uh, yeah. Well, first of all, President Trump was extremely disturbed, um, with what's going on. He expressed his concern, um, about Ukraine, about you, the, the people of Ukraine and, you know, it expressed his solidarity with my constituents who um, are Ukrainian, who are from the former Soviet Union. Um, I represent a large number of Ukrainians and Russians. Uh, so, you know, we talked about a lot about what's happening down there and how terrible it is. You know, when you also talk about your constituents, I'm, I'm really curious because, you know, I have not crossed paths with anyone in my life right now who is as personally affected that they have relatives in Ukraine. Are you hearing on a daily basis from constituents who are asking you, you know, can you help me? Can you help my relatives who are there? What can you do? I'm really curious about the impact we're hearing in New York because there is a sizable Ukrainian population here in the city. Yeah, so we're definitely hearing a lot uh, from constituents who are asking for help. Um, unfortunately, in terms of bringing them here, we don't really have a way. I mean, I'm a local politician. I'm a council member. I don't have a way to get them out. Um, but we do send them. We refer them to the, the Congress member for assistance. And we, we have created a link where people can go to find a host if someone is already in the country and, and needs a place to go, needs shelter, um, there is a way to go on our on our landing page and they could get information and resources uh, to help these refugees already here. We're talking to Ina Vernikov, a member of the New York City Council, uh, about the conflict in Ukraine here on Driving Forces, WBAI New York 99.5 FM, and streaming live via WBAI.org. And Council Member, I want to ask you, uh, Jeff asked you a moment ago uh, about your conversations with the former president. Uh, what do you think about how President Biden is handling this? What would you like to see him do differently right now? Well, I, I think it's not so much about how he's handling it now. Um, I think it's more about what should have been done before. Um, and I think that had we had a tougher foreign policy, uh, had Putin looked at America as a, a tough country, and had he looked at President Biden as the, you know, the leader of the free world like he should be, um, I think that we would not be in this position to begin with. Had we had uh, tougher sanctions on Russia, uh, had we done it earlier on, like Congress wanted to, I think that we would have been in a different place right now. Um, and, you know, if we look at the facts, we see that 
you know, in 2014 under President Obama, there, there was an annexation of Crimea that took place. Um, and then as soon as Biden entered office, we had a, a disastrous pullout of Afghanistan, a completely failed pullout. Um, and now we have this war. So I think we have to look at the facts and, and we see that, you know, and I, I, I think that the um, Biden's policies are really just a continuation of the Obama era foreign policy. And I think that's exactly why we're seeing what we see take place uh, down there. So are you saying that you believe that this, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but let me ask you, do you think we would be where we are now? Do you think this war would have happened or would have escalated to the point we are at now if Donald Trump was still president of the United States? I do not. I'm going to just jump in here with the obvious next question. Do you think Donald Trump should run again for president? I think that's up to Donald Trump. But it, but you, if he ran, you, but you if he ran, him, would I you? Yeah, I think we both. I'm just curious. If he ran again, would you support him? I guess if he runs again, we'll see. Okay. Um, you know, I know we only have a few minutes left and because this is your first time with us, you know, and I've been making a point of inviting for this show and another show here on BAI, the new council members on to talk about their priorities. Uh, you know, we can continue talking about Ukraine, but I do want to give you an opportunity to also tell our listeners a little more about your priorities in the city council. It is your first term. So, you know, I'm curious what you want our listeners to know about what you're going to be focusing on during your tenure? Uh, sure. So first of all, I'm one of five Republicans on the city council, and we have a great group. We also work together with uh, some of the moderate Democrats, um, and we have a great, great working relationship. Uh, some of my priorities are, and, and I think they're, they could be a little different because every single council member, Republican or Democrat, has their own priorities because we all represent very different, diverse districts. But my my priorities would be, number one, safety. Uh, we need to make sure that our police is funded and supported. So it's not just about, you know, they defunded the police. It's about the sentiment and the attitude that our elected officials um, and our mayor has towards the police. Uh, so that's really important for safety. Uh, right now, the issue of mandates is very hot in my district. Uh, people are very angry about the mandate, and I know that the mayor is uh, slowly taking uh, steps to remove the mandates, but, you know, people are looking for more. We need to make sure that teachers uh, and our police officers are not mandated to take the vaccine if they don't want to. Uh, I know that there's so, much, uh, there's so many different opinions on this topic, but uh, in my district, get a lot, a lot of complaints about mandates and, you know, people really asking me to fight against uh, the mandates. Uh, we need to make sure that we have enough correction officers at Rikers. So that's a priority for me as well. Uh, there's a lot going on down there and uh, there's, you know, we just need to support the correction officers and increase the amount of correction officers that there are. Uh, they're really having a very hard time uh, down there in the jail. Um, our education system is really uh, not doing very well at all. Um, the, the issue of merit-based education and gifted and talented programs, we want to make sure those are completely restored to our city. And, of course, we need to help our small businesses. Uh, I was a small business owner for eight years, so I understand the hurdles 
and the burdens on small businesses. So we need to make sure to do everything we can to support them, especially in this difficult time after the pandemic. And council member, we always, always wish we had more time. We'll have to have you back on the program, of course. But uh, for now, if people want to find out more about you and your work and your district, where should they go? I think the best place to go is my social media. Uh, so the, on Facebook, it's Councilwoman Ina Vernikov, and it's the same on Instagram and Twitter. Councilwoman Ina Vernikov, thank you so much for joining us here on Driving Forces on WPAI today. Thanks for having me. So one thing I want to jump in on, Celeste, which was interesting because she hit the nail on the head that I started off the show by talking a little about Eric Adams' announcement relaxing more of the vaccine mandates that was not universally beloved because apparently several union leaders immediately responded. They were angry about the double standard, saying that the mayor's favoring famous athletes and other celebrities because think about how many city employees were fired for refusing to get vaccinated, and the mayor's now relaxing that. So I think Harry uh, Nespoli, president of the Uniform Sanitation Men's Association, and also he is the chair of the Municipal Labor Committee, was one of the people who came out against uh, arguing with what the mayor announced today, Celeste. Yeah, you know, and that's really interesting. And I think that, uh, look, on on this program, and I think on WBAI generally, we like to talk about disparities. And I think it's really important that we do that. Are people being treated fairly, but also are people being treated equally? Are standards uh, and measures like this being applied equally uh, across uh different economic classes or racial groups or gender or lots of different things. I think that really fits in very well with sort of what WBAI is all about, even if we don't have all the answers. But I think that talking about this is is really important. And, you know, one thing that we do want to talk about because we are in the middle of or actually nearing the end of Women's History Month is WBAI's commitment to celebrating Women's History Month. And so, yes, we do want to spend a few moments. So Lest and I talk about this on each show. Many of our producers talk about this on our shows because it's important to us. It's not that, you know, we're just randomly coming up with campaigns. We think about the campaigns where we ask for your support. Uh, and so we're hoping that today you can go to WBAI.org and make a contribution so you can support free speech radio where you hear a diversity of voices like Ina Vernikov and all the other elected officials and advocates and experts that we bring to you. And if you go to our website at WBAI.org, you can check out some of the amazing thank you gifts that we have available for your donation. But what Celeste and I are asking you today, and we're going to get to the Women's History Audio Collection in just a moment, we're asking you to become a BAI buddy in the name of this show. You can do it in the name of any of your shows, but we're hoping you'll do it in the name of this show where you donate at a minimum $15 a month. That's it. Become a BAI buddy. You set it up online and you it goes right in your credit card and you become a sustaining contributor to WBAI. And by doing that now, you will become not just a member. You become a member with your first $25 donation, but you will be able to receive our Women's History Audio Collection, a classic black WBAI tote bag as well. And more so, you get to call yourself a member of the WBAI community. Right, Celeste? 
Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? It really matters. You may think, oh, what does it matter if I send $15, $25? It's a radio station. It's expensive. Media in New York is expensive. Well, you're right. You're right. But you know what? We reached out to you uh, earlier this year over the holidays to help us support the Tower Fund. And everybody who's listening to this program, everybody who makes WBAI a part of that of their day also made that campaign really successful. It does matter. When we work together, it does matter when you go to WBAI.org, click ways to donate, make that commitment to free speech radio in, in the greatest city in the world. This is a place where we have different conversations than other radio stations, other media outlets. It's unique. It's been going on for more than 60 years. Let's keep it going for another 60 years. WBAI.org. And uh, in just a few moments, we're going to queue up uh, a uh, segment we're going to play for you, which is part of the Women's History Audio Collection, because throughout March, WBAI has been presenting a series of special reports to commemorate Women's History Month. So today, this afternoon on this show, we're going to bring you one of those featuring the Bronx-born author, poet, teacher, and political activist, Grace Paley, who you may know from her strong advocacy against the war. How relevant is that right now? She once said she was a somewhat combative pacifist and cooperative anarchist, and others described her activism as broadly focused on social justice issues such as civil rights, anti-war, anti-nuclear, feminist, and, quote, whatever needed revolution. Really sounds like a lot like WBAI's history. So let us take a listen to this special report from our program director, Linda Perry. Tune to listener sponsor WBAI New York with a moment in women's history. Grace Paley is familiar to longtime WBAI listeners. I think someone had said something about how the old anti war movement thought if we were all nice, everything would change. But the truth is, many people spent many years in jail. Tens of thousands of people lived in exile for many years. There are probably hundreds underground to this day. Paley helped found the Vietnam Peace Center in 1961. She visited Hanoi as a member of a peace delegation. Groups of people from the, from the um, anti-war peace movement went to Vietnam during the war with an arrangement uh, with the Vietnamese government to bring back American prisoners of war. This was uh, the idea of the, of the uh, Vietnamese to really show that they would like to end the war and they were sending these guys back, three, four at a time. And they were all pilots, they were all officers. It was an officer class. And they asked only one thing, and that was that these pilots uh, not be used again during the war and that they not have any association with the Air Force. Uh, within six months of their return, the United States government had them teaching other pilots and uh, con continuing their old work. It was clear from that that the United States had no intentions of ending that war. The reason I'm telling you this is because I think the whole Iranian business is exactly the same thing. 
The celebrated writer and peace activist was forever making connections between the past and the present. Grace Paley once said, there's no point in getting older if you can't say something about what happened earlier. We're living right now at a time where the United States government could have gotten out of the whole thing very easily. In the 70s, Paley turned her attention to the anti-nuclear movement. She once said for a writer not to be political is peculiar. She was interested in a history of everyday life. She was one of the earliest writers to explore the lives of women, mostly Jewish, mostly New Yorkers, with a focus on single mothers. You can receive our Women's History audio collection with Grace Paley and other trailblazers by becoming a WBAI buddy, a sustaining member for $15 a month. You'll also receive our fabulous tote bag for all your belongings when you're out and about. Please go to women.wbai.org, women.wbai.org to become a WBAI buddy in the name of your favorite program or in the name of all WBAI programs or in the name of WBAI's long history of activism and programming you enjoy. Please call 212-209-2950, 212-209-2950, and say, yes, I want to become a WBAI buddy this Women's History Month. You're listening to WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. This is Driving Forces. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston here, as always, with Jeff Simmons. want to thank our program director, Linda Perry, for that great segment on Grace Paley. Uh, as Jeff mentioned earlier, producers and hosts here at WBAI have been making these segments for all of us to listen, learn from, and enjoy this Women's History Month. And these are a great example about how, you know, WBAI really goes the extra mile to make our programming interesting and timely and uh, just make it good radio. So we really appreciate your support. Again, you can go to WBAI.org, click Ways to Donate. Uh, if you're just joining us right now, we were talking a short time ago with Ina Vernikov. She's one of the new city council members, and she was born in Ukraine. She's speaking with us, of course, about the conflict uh, with Russia, also about her priorities as a member of the city council. She is uh, not only one of the, the council's newer members, but she is uh, one of the members of the Republican bloc, but she's also among the unprecedented group of women who are among uh, the 15 member body, the city council. Uh, you know, for the first time in the city's history, New Yorkers elected a city council with a majority of seats occupied by women, 31 out of 51. And the new council is also a historically diverse group, which is the result of a number of things, including that the city's matching funds program, which gave a match of $8 for every $1 they raised from city residents. Uh, another thing, the ranked choice voting system, pretty new to us, but inspired a lot more people to run in party primaries. So lots of changes there, Jeff. Yeah, it's interesting as you're talking about that, I'm thinking about how many of those green petitions I've seen around the neighborhood because we have another primary coming up in June. It just feels <laughs> like yesterday was the last primary. Time moved slow yet fast during the pandemic. It's just amazing how much has, has taken place. So on this new show, as Celeste mentioned, we bring you all types of voices from the political spectrum. And this month in particular, we have been striving to bring you more voices from women in office or who, like we did last week, can talk about trends of women in government or seeking political office. So if that means something to you, if that means something to your family, if WBAI means something to you, 
then do us a proud. If you like what you're hearing on Driving Forces, become a BAI buddy in the name of this program today. We just want one, maybe two more BAI buddies today. And it only takes a minute to go to our website at WBAI.org. You can set up that recurring donation in the name of this show, which we would love. It is super easy and really helps keep WBAI, the kind of vibrant community radio that New Yorkers have supported for more than 60 years. Now, you may not know this, but and Celeste has brought this up as well. Lots of us here at WBAI, the most of, most of the hosts you hear from were volunteers like Celeste and myself. We give our time to this station because we care about free speech radio. We believe in also listening to guests with different viewpoints and listening to our listeners. And that's going to come up shortly. We believe in giving important issues more than a quick headline. And of course, we do believe in listening to you, our valuable listeners, and we're going to do that in just a few moments. But before we ask you to call in, please take a tiny part out of your day and do something really important and go to WBAI.org and click Ways to Donate. Keep free speech radio alive and well in the greatest city in the world. And just a reminder that your donation of $15 or more a month lets you send us this amazing thank you gift. This is our new Women's History Audio Collection. If you like vintage radio, if you like the sound of those old tapes, those old recordings, you know, the, the crackle and hum of these early early uh, moments in history. This has you covered. It's great stuff. Showcases women's history through these restored recordings. And these date back to the earliest days, earlier days of community radio broadcasting, not just while BAI was around, but going back to like 1949. It was brought uh, to us from over six seasons of Pacifica Radio Archives. In case you don't know this, WBAI is part of the Pacific, uh, the Pacifica Radio Network. And uh, it comes from from the vault and beyond, definitely worth a listen, definitely worth more than even just a $15 a month donation. Please become a WBAI buddy. You can choose this as your gift. If you're interested in something else, you are absolutely welcome to choose something else. We have a lot of wonderful gifts as our way to say thank you. Uh, separately, also want to remind you, as always, that your gift to WBAI can be tax deductible. You can get a write-off on your taxes. You can help keep free speech community radio alive please go to WBAI.org today and become a WBAI buddy. So while you're helping us out with that, I think it is time to give you a chance to be heard here because we are all about you being heard on WBAI. Here is the number 212-209-2877, 212-209-2877. What's on your mind today? Is it about Ukraine? Is it about the Supreme Court nomination hearings? Is it about the virus? Is it about something totally different? 212 209 2877 is the number to call. 212 209 2877. And as a, uh, a chance for you to get that phone line lit up here, we are going to take a quick musical break with a voice I think you will recognize. Play that tune, Reggie. Everybody 
And that was Barry Manilow's Daybreak. Okay, here's why we played that. There was a reason, in addition to the fact that I do love this song. Because this Sunday on City Watch, if you tune in, I'm on at 10 a.m. that morning. I will be offering you during that hour, if you become a BAI buddy during that hour, 10 a.m., remember, you have the opportunity to get a pair of tickets, I've asked for several, to see his new musical Harmony, which is now in previews at the Museum of Jewish Heritage in Battery Park City. Now, I was with him and with them yesterday while they started their previews. This is a fantastic show. You are going to want these tickets. You're never supposed to say you hope it goes to Broadway afterwards. They won't answer that question. But you can imagine when it leaves the Museum of Jewish Heritage where it might go afterwards. So this is your chance to be able to see it as a WBAI listener. If you become a BAI buddy in the name of, sorry, Celeste, in the name of the show on Sunday, City Watch. That's 10 a.m. Sunday. I know I'm promoting <gasps> that show too right now. I know horrors. But um, so. It's called Harmony. Sunday, tune in 10 a.m. I'll tell you more about who the guests are that day. But remember, mark those calendars if you want to get those tickets by donating to WBAI. Now, uh, right now, I want to remind you of the number to call because we want to know your opinion about what Ina Vernikov had said. But also, if you want to talk about the vaccine mandate and what Eric Adams did today, we want to hear your opinion. The number, 212 212- 209-2877. Once again, that number is 212-209-2877. And as we get ready for the calls, I do want to bring you a piece of news that just came into my inbox a little while ago. We had a New York City controller, Brad Lander, on the show a few weeks ago, as, as Celeste and I talked with him about uh, investments in the, uh, by the retirement system. Well, apparently, the news is that, uh, and I know this system well, the New York City retirement system known as NICERS, the fourth largest pension system in the United States, voted to divest from Russia. That's the latest development. We talked about some of the smaller pension systems that did this. Remember, uh, the controller and uh, New York City has five different pension systems. This basically is a system that serves 28,000 members and retirees and held 19 and a half million in Russian securities at the close of business in late February. But today, trustees voted to allow uh, to, right, want to get this right? Yeah, to allow the system to, uh, to divest Celeste. I think that's a that's first of all that is big news and I'm super glad that you mentioned that here on the program and if you want to call in about this by the way 212-209-2877 212-209-2877 do you think the city's pension funds should be involved in this kind of uh sort of international relations or quasi political activity or you just want them to keep the their money where the money will grow uh those two things could be the same obviously uh, I, I don't think anybody's uh getting rich trading in rubles right now uh but 212-209-2877 is the number to call and i believe we have a caller on the line we're going to get to that call right now you are on the air at wbai what's your name and where are you from Okay, my Hi, name you're is on the Father air. Divine. Hello? Yes, you are on the air. Hi, how are you today? Okay, good, thank you. My name is Brother Divine. I'm from Queens, Jamaica, Queens. And basically, you know, we have to come to an understanding that the uh, COVID guidelines, really, I'm not upset with uh, the mayor letting um, the players or the players that were unvaccinated and the athletes that were unvaccinated get to play. 
I'm not upset with that ruling. What I'm upset with is not allowing the workers to come back to work. You cannot treat people unequally. Everybody is equal underneath the sun. Just as I am equal to you, the mayor is equal to me, everyone is equal. So if you're going to let the players come back that are unvaccinated, then you have to let the workers who are unvaccinated come back. That is the only respectful, righteous movement to make. Any other movement would be saying that you do not respect your voters, you do not respect your citizens, and that you would treat certain people differently. That if someone murders someone else, if you have money, you'll let that person who murders someone get away with it because they have status or they make millions. And then the other person who murders them who don't have money, they got to go to jail for life. So with all due respect, I voted for Mayor Adams, and I respect his opinion with letting Kyrie Irving come back to play with the Knicks and letting unvaccinated players play. And with all due respect, you vaccinated 98% of the city. ninety Almost 90% of the people are vaccinated. So for whatever reason you use to allow unvaccinated players to participate, you have to let the workers come back to work. That's what I have to say. Thank you. I'll listen off the air. Thank you very much. Really appreciate your call. And if you want to weigh on in this 212-209-2877, 212-209-2877, is this just wildly and egregiously unfair to have one standard for uh, players and, uh, you know, sort of big deal celebrity type people, uh, professional athletes and, and one standard for everybody else. Is that, is that right? What do you think? 212-209-2877 is the number to call. You're listening to Driving Forces here on WBAI New York. We're going to go to our next call. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and where you're calling from? Hi there. This is uh, Michael. I'm calling from Long Island. How you doing? Good. What's on your mind today, Michael? All right. I wanted to make a point about the uh, city pension system divestment from Russia. Uh, really, I think that uh, I, I think it's a very bad idea that uh, this, this politicized divestment takes place. I think the sole fiduciary responsibility of the system is to maximize returns for the benefit of the participants and the retirees. And you're not there to make political statements. Now, you can have a different opinion about what's going on in the world. Frankly, I'm amazed at all the insidious Russophobia that's going on. It seems that both ends, all sides of the political spectrum are like, hump, you know, talking about how evil Russia is. And I'm looking at what's really been going on over there. We hear one side of the story. Everything else is labeled as disinformation. Uh, that's a different issue, I know. But uh, I really, it, it, it's hard to believe that. AI is seeing the same tune as Fox News and everybody else, a bunch of warmongers that want to see NATO uh, uh, take over the globe. All right, so I've got to say, have a great day, folks. Bye-bye. And thank you, Michael. You know, it's interesting because also I, I'm reflecting. And, and <laughs> yeah, I know it, thank you. Thank you no, for calling us warmongers. No, 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 but the point, no, but the cool, point he cool, did cool. raise. But the yeah. point he did raise that, yeah. and that's what I was focusing on, is about the move to divest. Because during my time in the controller's office, and even right. since then, with different, you know, whether it was about environmental issues, where there was the movement to divest uh, 
you know, city pension funds, whether it was in companies that, uh, uh, you know, might, uh, be, involved with the production or manufacturing of guns. You know, I'm just thinking of all over time of different moves to divest funds. One thing I did want to look up, that's why I got silent for a minute there, because I was looking up when uh, the gentleman, when Rutherford was speaking from Jamaica, was how many employees got fired back in February, how many New York City employees were fired because they were not vaccinated. That was over 1,400 uh, people. So that, that, and so speaking, I'm like, how, you know, I knew it was, it could be potentially higher, Mm-hmm. Um, but I also remember because I also work with some unions, uh, with, on their press that they also suddenly I was told, oh yeah, these people aren't part of our union anymore because they were let go. So I, th- I believe Jeff, we have one more caller. I think we just have a few moments here, but we're going to get to that call. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and wait call? Jeff, we have one more caller. I think we just have a few moments here. And that was me or is me. <laughs> <laughs> this is an interesting show today. But That's I what we love about home. live radio. Always a surprise. Yeah, I was surprised to hear myself calling into my own show. <laughs> uh, okay. I don't know, Jeff, why don't you try talking? See if you can do that trick. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, we're going to have to wrap up in a few minutes anyway. So why don't we at least remind our listeners about about our campaign. You know, we, we did want to do that again before the end of the show. And, you know, and also one of the other things we do want to bring up is remember listeners amid the pandemic, we've all been broadcasting from different locations. So I apologize for also not muting the microphone on my phone today. So Celeste and I can communicate so we don't jump on each other's remarks throughout the whole time. You'll hear dogs outside, sometimes barking or cars or where I live in Jackson Heights, you sometimes hear the planes overhead. But we do want to remind you because it's Women's History Month about our campaign because it's only another, what is it? Only another less than a week Yeah, no, one week from now, we're going to end this campaign and we need your support. Remember to support WBI during Women's History Month and become a BAI buddy in the name of this show or any show. But really, we'd love you to become a BAI buddy, uh, uh, which is just going online to WBAI.org and you can become a buddy and give a sustaining contribution. Once a month goes right on your credit card. $15. We're asking just for 15. You give more. Wonderful. But if you start with 15, that would be fantastic. Absolutely. And remember, if you make a donation of $25 or more, you become a member of this station. And that means you can participate as a full member in important votes that determine the future, the direction of independent free speech radio in the greatest city in the world for 25 bucks. That's a pretty good deal. And don't forget, of course, I always like to say this because you know what? Every little bit not only helps us, but helps you. Your gift to WBAI is tax deductible. We are a 501c3 nonprofit, and you can write this off on your taxes. We're coming up to tax time. This is uh, on everybody's mind. This would be for, of course, for the filing year. But give yourself a tax break on your next return and help us keep your your radio station, WBAI, alive for another 60 years. Just go to WBAI.org today and look for ways to donate. Only takes a few minutes. We live in challenging and complicated, but also exciting times. It's confusing. There's a ton of information. Everyone's sort of shouting. WBAI is a way that we can help each other make sense of what's going on. Let's keep it going. Please take a moment today to go to WBAI.org. Click ways to donate. Every gift help keeps free speech radio alive when we need it most. 
want to thank our guest today, New York City Council Member Ina Vernikoff, and our engineer, Reg Johnson, always got our back here. Jeff, I know that you are going to be back with us here on BAI on Sunday morning. What do you got on tap? Why so less? Thank you. Yes, I am back this Sunday at 10 a.m. with City Watch. As I mentioned, you have the opportunity, if you're listening to that show and become a BAI buddy during the show, to get those tickets to see the new Barry Manilow, Bruce Sussman musical, and I, to talk about that show. And also, the presenter at National Yiddish Theater Folksbina is Dominic Boletta, who's the head of National Yiddish Theater. He's going to talk to you about that as well, so make sure to tune in. Frankie Miranda. President and CEO of the Hispanic Federation will be joining me and I will be introducing you to another New York City Council member, Staten Island Council member Camilla Hanks, part of our ongoing series introducing new elected officials to you. So again, thank you so much for tuning in here to listen to our often surprising live radio station <laughs> where you get to hear Celeste talk to herself sometimes or hear herself on the air. But Thank you so much for joining us today, Celeste. Wonderful to spend this Thursday again with you. Stay tuned for the evening news. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you on the radio.